0: This is a Dynamic Network podcast. <laughs>
1: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Max Destruction Podcast. Of course, I am Ken. Thank you for coming back and listening. Last week's episode featuring my dad is Deary Harry. Is actually one of my most popular downloaded episodes, which is outstanding and typical. Again, he's he's worked with me in the past, and if you're wondering where I get my startling wit, it's definitely from him. Luckily for me this week, I have a guest host that is of no shock to anybody. He's been on our podcast before a couple of different times, and we have also reciprocated our buddy from the Dynamite Network, console combats man himself, John Strosky. Hey,
0: Ken. Thank you for having me back on the show. After last time's crushing defeat, I almost thought I was never going to be coming back again. We have short memory spans here on the Max Destruction
1: Podcast, and we have to, just for the simple fact of that, the numbers don't always go in our favor, unfortunately. I'd love to say that I win 100% of the time, but then it would be very boring for our audience, and you got to keep the drama up somehow, and I'm sure you have had that same kind of feeling for your pod.
0: Yeah, especially lately. Unfortunately, poor Dean has won approximately one battle. <laughs> It just unfortunately fell that way. Yeah, speaking of Dean, it's awesome he's on. I've really enjoyed
1: having him come on to be your new time best friend, (laughs) co-star, warrior companion as it was. How is console combat coming? I'm enjoying the hell out of it, and I'm sure the rest
0: of our audience is, but uh, how's it going? We are having an absolute blast with it. We just put out, as of this recording, Revolver Ocelot versus the Joker. So that that was fun. Uh, Unfortunately, heavily one-sided to uh, not your favor as a dc guy
1: yeah it's unfortunate revolver ocelot is a legit character i remember him being like one of my favorite villains of any kind of video game so definitely secretly pulling for him when i saw the episode come down i was like man the joker's got he's got his crazy but revolver ocelot's just we in uh, our business like to call it issues of his (laughs) own Uh, And and his gunplay is probably unmatched, I think, from any other character, except for a few in the newer iterations of Metal Gear. But definitely a good call.
0: Yeah, and uh, to be perfectly honest, we did mulligan originally. We had Arthur Morgan in play for uh, an opponent for Ocelot, but it just was not a good mix. The overall capabilities of Ocelot, far superior to uh, Arthur unfortunately. But we'll see him later in another fight for sure. To give reasoning for the Joker being an opponent to Ocelot, because a lot of people seem to be questioning it, both of the two characters are the primary antagonist for the main protagonist, Joker, Batman, Ocelot, Snake. Also, both of them extraordinarily well known for Revolvers, and both of them are goddamn crazy psychotic geniuses solid picks I didn't really have any question for but I also do this for a living as well
1: so definitely understand the 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 madness behind the mind when it comes to these and both of us have had the the distinct pleasure and honor of being able to watch our buddies joe and and Jonathan run the gambit of maybe not the greatest matchups uh, so we've been able to hone those in uh, I know I've definitely had a couple of duds as well or i had to go back to the drawing board and go really is this is really how i'm gonna go with this but i've not really had any really bad with the exception of last week's episode but i didn't feel too bad for wish.com's version of punisher dirty harry is always awesome and it just fit up if for no other reason is to finally get a marvel character in here that is universally loathed and i feel like it hit on all speaking of marvel though Dude, you're back, and we are bringing Marvel back to this podcast. Very interestingly enough, last week was a teaser for comic book characters Mm -hmm. that are firmly within my space of the the cinematic. Going back and forth with Jonathan and and Joseph, hey, I I didn't want to retread. Like, it's really hard to retread some of these characters. Like, when you say Superman versus Batman, everybody has seen 6,000 different videos, 15,000 different podcasts and explanations, going all the way back to when we were in elementary school and fighting on a playground about who was better. So really hard not to retread some of those. But as I really looked at it, each iteration of a character seems to have a slightly different take, and usually that's because the writing is either trash or great, the directors trash or great, producers all the way up, and luckily there are iterations of each character that seem to fit maybe a slightly different niche on an opponent. So Joker being a perfect example for a revolver ocelot, there's a lot of people out there that probably don't even think of Joker as a revolver character. But I throw the killing joke at you and say, "Dude,
0: where have you been since day one with the Joker?" Right? Um, or so, you can even go Batman '89 with that 16-inch long nose. Come on, that the, everyone that knows the Joker immediately—if you don't think of Jack Nicholson as the Joker or Heath Ledger as the Joker—you are. Sorry, one more Mark Hamill. If you don't think of those three, <laughs> you're wrong. Plain and simple. And it, it, those three all true. have that in common. Yeah. They're all the best. So, yeah, yeah, having those different
1: iterations allows us to to play in these fields, of tiptoe into others. I know Sinjo World is probably going to do Batman, anime Batman at one point, or Joker from that anime, and I think yeah. that those are just those are their centralized characters that might share some themes, uh, but have the ability to work. So for this week, my friend, before we get into actually who we're going to be battling, I got to bring in our third guy. And no, folks, it's not Dustin. He's still gone, unfortunately. RIP Dustin. But I am bringing in Gio. So Gio, go ahead and come on in.
2: Yes, I am here, you assholes. At this point, I think my deli is way more popular than either of you folks. Destruction Deli specializes in cold cuts and insightful collateral damage assessments. It's funny is it?
1: he calls everybody assholes, and it fits.
0: Yeah, I know I'm an asshole. I'm pretty sure you self-identify as an asshole. Uh, oh, yeah, it's tattooed much... somewhere on my body. Oh, for sure. It's probably in your hair somewhere, so no one else has to see it. You just know.
1: Yeah, we'll go with that on,
0: on, in my hair.
1: Go back so, in your head. Yeah, something like that. My friend, I brought you on because this was one of our most talked about weekly audience matchups from the last season that we did, being Sarah Snape. Mm-hmm. And he's one of those characters that everyone loved to hate or hated to love. I know you have a, a special place in your heart for Harry Potter. I, I do as well, and the majority of our audience probably is because we're right in that generational sweet spot where you either read all the books or you watched all the movies and you probably did both. I decided to bring another Marvel character in on this. Now this was an actual matchup given by an audience member, Scott Camacho. And I thought it fit. I'm bringing Wong to this fight. When you first heard these two, what did you think of this
0: character matchup? So I did honestly think it's going to be one-sided. I think... Me personally, despite my biases on both sides, because I do love Harry Potter and I do love Marvel, it's hard to think of how limited Snape and the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is compared to the almost infinite, endless depth, the well of powers and capabilities that the sorcerers of the Marvel Universe seem to have just so much power. It's almost like they're designed to be OP.
1: <laughs> and, and it's funny you bring that up. So OP is always the issue that we run into when we do these kind of character breakdowns and who we're going to be fighting against. And it's a conversation you and I actually had when we talked about it, is yeah. that is Severus Snape going to even hold a candle? And I pushed back that the data sets that we use, and we'll go into how we do this in a minute, because you and I use a very similar setup, just like the Dynamic Duel guys do in the Senjo world does that we were able to pull data sets and i pulled this data set from an extrapolation of who snape is as a character throughout his abilities from like the pieces that i remember and in doing my research that snape was actually an incredibly powerful wizard to the point where he was able to fool both the most powerful good guy wizard and the most powerful bad guy wizard at the same time, being an effective double agent at his time. So that was the data set that I was able to pull. And it really, I thought, matched up very well with Wong. Wong is the OP wizard, but not so OP that he's Steven Strange in the MCU. When you talk about Wong as a character in the MCU, usually played for laughs. And is powerful, but I don't think really rose to the same level as Stephen Strange. So I definitely thought that these two characters were were going to match up well. And we'll see. Maybe it is a blowout and we're all having this conversation for naught. And either you or I'll go running into the corner screaming at the end of it. Uh, Hopefully not, but at the same time, it's not like we're losing anything. We're two nerds talking on a podcast about characters that we really
0: care about and the rest of our audience does. Yeah, so I mean, we, we both love the characters, too. That's should be noted. We both love both of these characters. Correct. For yeah. very obvious reasons. <laughs>
1: yeah, which is funny because, again, I'm, I'm a DC guy. I'm not a Marvel dude. But of all of the characters within the magic universe of Marvel, Wong is the best. He's single-handedly the best because he touches every character in a probably inappropriate way and or inappropriate jokes when it comes to that but we'll get into that when we get into our character breakdown and to get into the character breakdown of course i do it a little differently on my podcast but my audience knows it it's of course the tale of the cocoa butter
2: here at max destruction podcast and more specifically the destruction Deli, we use the tale of the cocoa butter to break down the character's bios abilities and equipment for the match Think of it like boxing or the UFC tale of the tape, but a lot more 80s action hero style. Glistening muscles were all the rage and therefore these mooks use it as measuring device. Ticket number 26.
1: Well, of course. And these two characters, if they're not the paragons of Macho, I don't know what is. Both of them definitely shop at Hot Topic once or twice in their lives. And in the case of my character, who I will be representing Wong in this fight, I'll go ahead and break down a little bit of his backstory right now. So Wong is actually played by the actor Benedict Wong. It was really difficult for him, I'm sure, to get into this character. Um, Is... The current source the supreme of the Masters of the Mystical Arts, which is the overall banner of all the sorcerers in the MCU. When the former librarian was murdered by Kelsilius and the Zealots, Wong then became the highly protective keeper of all the ancient books when he met Stephen Strange and assisted him in his studies. As Kelsilius attempted to use his power to bring Dormammu to Earth, Wong and the other Masters used their power to eventually defeat him at the cost of the Ancient One's death. Uh, when Caecilius' conflict was over, Wong joined Doctor Strange in protecting the New York Sanctum. Wong definitely stood above and beyond in Doctor Strange as it was, and then he just branched out from being that great plot device that would bring these characters into each other's worlds, and effectively bridging those gaps that sometimes writers you could see were, were having issues, I'm sure, and then just being able to side sideline Wong in is was best. So the next time we actually see Wong is in Avengers Endgame, uh, I'm sorry, Avengers Infinity War, when he was standing with uh, Strange and Iron Man when the Black Order attacked New York City in search of the Time Stone. After Strange was kidnapped by Ebony Ma, Wong was forced to remain behind in order to protect the Sanctum. When Strange perished along with half the universe due to the Thanos snap, Wong became the new Sorcerer Supreme. In 2023, Wong and the other Masters transported many of the revived Avengers and their allies to New York so they could do a battle in the final battle against the alternate Thanos. And by 2024, Wong was a regular fighter at the Golden Daggers Club in Macau, participating in cage matches where he met and befriended the Abomination whom he would return to the Damage Control Supermax prison after their fights. Shortly after that, he met Shang-Chi and Katie Chen in order to question them about the origins of the Ten Rings. Later that year, Wong was informed that Wanda Maximoff was the prophesied Scarlet Witch, and she was hunting America Chavez, a teenager with the power to open portals across the multiverse. Wong then survived Scarlet Witch's siege with Kamar Taj, and informed her of the Dark Hole's origins at Mount Wundagore. In an attempt to save the lives of the other masters, Wang was able to elude an attempt on his life and later assist in the dream Walking Strange in Fighting Scarlet Witch. After the battle, Wong took, on, took Chavez and decided to stay in his universe under his care and began training in the mystic arts. The last we've seen of Wong is Wong would then become involved in She-Hulk when he was brought forward as a witness during the pre- parole hearing of a male Bronsky who was also known as the Abomination at the time. Next, Wong himself would later employ She-Hulk in a lawsuit against Donnie Blaze for utilizing dangerous magic for monetary gain. After Blonsky was arrested for breaking his parole conditions, Wong helped him escape from prison and offered him shelter in Karmertage again to continue his fighting. As far as his weapons and abilities, I am taking it directly from the MCU right around the same time as the She-Hulk Time frame. So, his main power, of course, is magic. He utilizes Eldridge magic, which is the ability to create, shape, and manipulate constructs of energy, such as weapons and shields, as well as the ability to cast spells by writing specific formations with fiery energy. He used this ability when Bruce Banner crashed into the New York Sanctum to summon a shield in case of emergency. And he's also used it to do things like a cage of fiery energy to contain the Scarlet Witch. Uh, and also able of uh, firing uh, energy bolts uh, and, and Eldritch whips uh, to fight Donnie, the demons conjured by Donny Blaze. Uh, he has illusion manipulation, he has conjuration, uh, and he can create portals that he can move in and out of sp- specific areas. As far as abilities, uh, he is a master martial artist, and so not only is he great at Eldridge magic, but he actually can fight with his hands. He is a expert acrobat and an expert tactician. And also he was the employee of the month three months in a row at the Target that he worked at prior to becoming the Sorcerer Supreme Librarian. And that's Wong
0: I'm just the, the target thing. I completely forgot about that. And I'm just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going to insist upon two things for this fight before we get into Snape really quick. One, mm-hmm. you must at least once call him Wongers. <laughs> and two, uh, that was
1: actually a plan. Okay. While Severus Snape might be able to do things on his own. We all know that Wongers requires the assistance of his lady love. Yes. So that may or may not be uh, actually happening during the match.
0: And that actually led me to my second point, is if you don't bring Madison into this fight, I'm going to just Avada Kedavra you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we can't get into this fight without talking about who Snape is. So let me tell you guys all about Severus Snape. <clears throat> Severus Snape is a complex character from the Harry Potter franchise, created by J.K. Rowling. He is a pivotal figure throughout the series, with a backstory that is gradually revealed to have significant impact on the main narrative. He was born to Eileen Prince, a witch, and Tobias Snape, a muggle, making him a half-blood wizard, or according to some of the snobby little shits in Slytherin, a mudblood. He grew up in the industrial town of Cokeworth, where he faced a difficult childhood marked by poverty and his parents' unhappy marriage. From a young age, Snape exhibited magical abilities, which eventually led to to his attendance at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. At Hogwarts, Snape was sorted into Slytherin House and quickly showed a talent for potions and the dark arts. He became friends with Lily Evans, who would later become Harry Potter's mother, but their friendship deteriorated due to Snape's interest in the dark arts and his association with the future Death Eaters. Snape's love for Lily was unrequited and became a central aspect of his character. After leaving Hogwarts, he joined Lord Voldemort and the Death Eaters. However, when he learned that Voldemort intended to kill Lily and her family based on a prophecy Snape had overheard and relayed, he switched sides and became a double agent for Albus Dumbledore, vowing to protect Lily's son, Harry, after her death. Throughout the Harry Potter series, Snape is portrayed as a cold, calculating, and often cruel teacher, showing particular animosity towards Harry. It is only after his death that Harry learns of Snape's true loyalties and the sacrifices he made to protect him. And, of course, because it's a book, it's a very limited series. He doesn't have too much of an extended backstory. But let me tell you guys about his powers and abilities. He's exceptionally skilled wizard with a number of notable abilities. He's a potion. Uh, let me try that again. He's a potions master, knowledgeable and skilled in making potions, and he is unparalleled as such, becoming the potions master of Hogwarts. He's also proficient in occlumency and legilimency, which essentially gives him the power to manipulate people through. Mm-hmm different means we don't really want to go into that because i don't think it's going to work on this fight anyways of course the dark arts he's got very deep understanding of the dark arts having spent so much time as a follower of Voldemort and the Death Eaters. Uh obviously he's good with creating his own spells as seen by use of sectum sempra which is a spell that only he made and then put in that lovely little book for harry to find years later of course he's also great with defensive magic As a Death Eater, he had to defend himself often and hard against many people of the opposite side, Auror as being the big enemy of the Death Eaters at the time. And also, he is able to fly without a broomstick, something he probably got from Voldemort as a Death Eater. Many tributes to uh, Voldemort for all the things that he was able to give the Death Eaters, but also taking away from them basically the uh, ability to have a good life. As far as weapons, Severus Snape is a wizard, so he carries a wand. That's really it. He doesn't carry anything else, usually. For the sake of this fight, me and Ken agreed that he will carry upon him two different potions. They are predetermined, but I will not reveal what they are. And with that, Severus Snape's character is defined by his intelligence, skill, and the depth of his loyalty, his secret loyalty, His actions throughout the Harry Potter series are driven by his love for Lily and his commitment to fighting against Voldemort, despite the personal cost. Snape's story is one of redemption and sacrifice, and he is remembered as one of the most enigmatic and morally ambiguous characters in the entire Harry Potter series. And I'm not going to go over the list of all the spells he uses. Just know that anything that Harry Potter has ever written into lore, he has available to use at any given point in time as long as his wand is on his person.
1: Fair. So definitely with the potions makes sense. I have one stipulation. If you're going to put stipulations on Old Wong, uh, you must at some point during this simulation cast the spells in an Alan Rickman voice planning on that,
0: that was no question that's going to (laughs) happen. Listen, Uh, Wong, you have come to the wrong place. Alan
1: Rickman. It is definitely masterfully played by a tremendous actor and uh, RIP, Alan Rickman. Bring it down to a small. And uh, with that depressing note, why don't we go ahead and head over to Geo and he'll explain how our simulations work.
2: You guys and your simulated battles get out of here. These guys couldn't tell you what the difference between a bazooka and a machine gun. Therefore, they stole the simulator model from the Dynamic Dual Goons. The model is based on a similar Monte Carlo simulation that the producers of The Deadliest Warrior used to identify who would win in a fight. The nerds on this cast take data points from different stats such as strength, speed, damage potential, and most important, a sense of humor. The points are distributed along a bell curve and simulated 1,000 times to determine the winner by Science TM. This would be incredibly boring and therefore would not work for this medium, so we allow Ken and Dustin to play in a sandbox with action figures they put their characters in a simulated environment which is so risky according to some cough dynamic duel, but is utilized for a match. The outcome does not affect that actual winner, but it is funny for everyone except me who seems to be consistently screwed as my insurance company dropped me. But whatever, you folks like hearing about how my fifth generation business is destroyed. Ticket number 50. Hey Luigi, we are all out of gabagool
1: always funnier Geo. he's sounding tired I, I don't I'm not real sure why maybe it's all the moving and constant repairs that he has to do but is definitely sounding maybe just a tad whiny and normally I'm here for it but it's, it's like I said it's starting to wear thin Gio quit bitching you're a AI created voice it's not like your life is that hard so with that John I feel like these two characters would meet up in New York I feel like that's probably where it would be. For the sake of, let's say, theater of the mind, I already created a scene in my head as to how these two characters would meet. Because while I do feel like Wong would appear at some notice of a dark magician or sorcerer, it's just not as funny. So my thinking is that Severus encounters Madison picking up sandwiches at a deli and she's really going off on them because they misspelled her name of course it is m-a-d-i-s-y-n not the other way you would spell madison because of course for her it's a y and it's not where you think it would be and the other sandwich of course has warner's name on it now warner's of course is going to order a tuna melt on rye and they screwed that all up uh, because Snape has figured out that Wong is probably the top dog, we'll say it's probably during the blip time, so he's definitely the Sorcerer Supreme, he's thinking he's probably going to need to use maybe some occupancy on Madison to find out where he's at. I feel like that's a decent place to start. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think I think him not knowing where the person he's looking for is accurate because you never really get that indication that the wizards of the Harry Potter world are omniscient enough to know where their people might be until they're in their face blowing away their friends. It is a way. It is definitely
1: a way of finding out where people are at. It's definitely the way I play. tend to play video games, which is tank. I just run headlong into the fight and expect that overwhelming odds of firepower typically would rule the day.
0: Ah, so you are Leroy
1: Jenkins. 150%. And in that note, we will go ahead and say that Snape is performing his Ocumens on Madison, and Wong shows up because he knows his lady love is in trouble. And Mm -hmm. that is where we will start. So I feel like Wong's probably going to Portal Land using his sling ring, uh, which Mm -hmm. of course is not uh, subtle or stealthy. Uh, which is uh, what I always find funny about the sorcerers in this universe is like typically you'd want to have a little bit of like quiet involved. A giant flaming ring that makes noise just happening is probably not the way to go, but that's not how Wong rolls. Wong rolls right in first to find out if Madison's okay and second because he's hungry for his tuna on rye. So he runs in and sees this dark, person, pale, wearing dark clothes, and probably yells something like, okay, hot topic, what are you
0: doing? Well, it turns out that I'm looking for you. And that...
1: Yeah, at that time, Wong's probably slapping his wrists together and pulling those two red circle things up, his eldritch circles, in which he's like, you need to let her go, it's game on. And then he's probably going to try to conjure some kind of whip to bring Madison back to him.
0: Okay. I would think that Stape knows better than to defend himself when he's not being directly attacked. So he's going to let Madison go away, because he knows also that she's not really his target. And I don't think he's going to go for the collateral damage aspect right now, because I think that he still has the ego to believe that he is better than Wong.
1: And if no other reason is, when he read Madison's mind, there wasn't much there. I'm sure that there wasn't wasn't an encyclopedia that he had to go through to get into her head. So Wong is likely going to throw her through a portal and close it real quick, in which time, because he's seen really no indication of any kind of magic other than maybe this guy feels like it, He, he sees him holding a stick which he's going to assume is some kind of wand, but probably can't make any other tail, and he's probably just going to come at him martially. so he's just going to throw a punch as as close as he can to Snape.
0: Okay. Uh, Snape will obviously just throw his wand up and make a little barrier between him and the punch, because wizards can do that for whatever reason. And I'm going to say that the punch will slide, not go pounce him back, but it'll slide like around him, making him fall forward, and Snape will have his wand at the ready, and he will say, Akio ring, and point it at Wong's hand, because he immediately surmised that the ring on his hand was what caused his ability to set up that portal. And he's going to grab the ring and just throw it, making it so he can't so Wong, teleport away.
1: Yeah. So Wong is probably rolling forward off of the punch, realizing he's dealing with somebody that can conjure up shields and barriers. So Wong is going to see a sling ring go flying. He's going to, oh shit, okay, this guy can actually change the metaphysical needs. So Wong, in the back of his mind, is just rolling through all the different spells that he's probably seen at, that could do that. And as he's rolling forward, he's just going to conjure up a couple of fiery energy knives and throw them at snape in two or three different places to gauge his defenses
0: okay again snape capable of defending himself and now i remember the name of the spell is called protego so he is just going to throw up his wand and it's going to flick those balls away Um, completely unaffected by it of course but he's now realizing that he's not alone as a magician so mr wong is it You've come to the wrong fight, I'm afraid. And then he will Expelliarmus straight at him, which he doesn't have anything in his hands, but we do know that if you get hit by a spell, it will still knock you back.
1: So Wong's going to take this and throw himself into kind of a backflip to get over, say, the counter that he's going towards. And he doesn't want to disrupt the business. He's, Wong is, is at least considerate. He understands the game when it comes to retail, as is proven by his immaculate records. So Wong is very likely going to then conjure up the whips that he utilizes. And he's going to come swinging out, using the whips to maneuver himself around the room, and then come flying in at Snape as hard as he can, probably propelling himself a little bit more with some magic behind him to knock Snape through the glass window, trying to open this area up a little bit more.
0: Okay. I'm going to say that he wasn't able to get his wand up fast enough to defend against that one, and is certainly going to kick him flying through the window. But then as he's lying on the ground, he looks to his side and he sees that girl from earlier just wandering around the streets. Wong sent her away, but he didn't send her far. And he now realizes, Snape now realizes that he's got some kind of an attachment to her that her nearly empty mind didn't reveal for whatever reason. So he's going to look at her and say, I wonder, and then just cast confundo at her, which normally would really confuse a person. Except when you're Madison, that is your natural state of being. (laughs) So instead, after a couple of moments of scratching his head saying, well, that didn't work the way I had planned, Obliviate! And now her memory is completely wiped. And I feel like Wong would notice that. Well, she'd probably go,
1: like, really rigid. (laughs) I can only assume that, like, all memory is gone, which, again, for this character, we're talking, like, five minutes max. Probably, like, a koi fish kind of short-term memory span. As Wong sees Snape targeting her directly, he's now thinking that she's been the target all along. Regardless of what the man in black has said, he now believes that she's the target, which is going to fire Wong up. Uh, Wong is then going to cast a fire cage that is going to surround Snape and then slowly begin to constrict. And at the same time, he is going to cast a weather-type event, which is going to suck the oxygen from the area within the cage, trying to stop Snape from using any kind of magic word or anything because he's noticed it requires some movement, it requires thought for him to cast his magic.
0: Okay. Snape will start to realize that he's struggling to breathe. But he's not out of breath yet. So he, with his limited amount of remaining breath and enough space barely to cast a spell, he is able to say the words, Finite Incantatum, which immediately stops all spells that are active within the vicinity of himself. And I don't know that it necessarily would affect Wong, but for the sake of this speculation, it will affect Wong. So now he is free of that cage and free of the lack of oxygen due to the complete and utter nullification of Wong's spells. And I think that in retort, he will shoot an Expelliarmus beam at the building above Wong, not to do any damage to Wong specifically directly, but he's going to break a piece of that brick off of the wall. And as it's falling, he's going to look up and wave his wand in the direction of the brick and say, Engorgio Gorgio. And it's going to make the large chunk of brick or whatever it has come out of that building larger and make it. So he really has basically a car sized piece of granite or concrete or whatever the building was made out of falling right in his direction on top of him.
1: So Wong is going to stand there and he's going to just watch as this brick is dropping. And instead of moving, he's just going to allow the, the brick to fall. And then when it makes the impact with the area, that's when the pixelation of the world shifts as Wong has now brought the mirror dimension across. So now he is running everything uh, as he's watching Snake. I'm sure very slick. I'd say very confused as to what's going on uh, because it's very quick as Wong does it. And then Wong actually brings like all of the buildings, all of the roads, and starts doing twisty-turvy crap, inception-level movements of the street. And Wong is just going to then start flying out of everywhere, throwing punches and kicks at Snape, feeling like this is probably a more beneficial tactic to take towards him.
0: Okay. So Snape would be looking around and trying to figure out what he could do to defend himself from the perspective of Wong. However, what you say is happening is all in Wong's mind. Because as the brick was falling in the direction of Wong, we'll just going to call it a brick. <clears throat> Snape was actually able to sneak up with his ability to essentially teleport to get behind Wong. And he was able to use the Imperious Curse, unbeknownst to Wong, to convince him that he still has control of this fight. So everything that Wong's seeing... ...is in his head. It's not really happening. And with that... ...he's going to cast Levia Corpus to lift Wong up while he's essentially in a stupor... ...and bring him back in the building. And then he will use his ridiculous amount of magic from his wand... ...to restrain Wong, arms and legs, to a chair... ...before removing the Imperious Curse from him, allowing him to regain himself but now he's restrained on a chair.
1: So Wong's going to wake up from this and very confused because in his, like, mind, he's been in the mirror dimension this entire time, and he's literally been making Snape punch himself, stop hitting yourself, this entire time. And then when he comes to, he realizes he's not where he thought he would be. And he looks up at Snape and goes, ah, you like to play with minds as well. And then at that exact moment another portal opens up underneath Snape, dropping him straight through. So, while he may not have his sling ring, you don't necessarily have to have a sling ring in order for it to work. See, as the librarian of Kamertage, Wong was able to see all of the dark magics, and was able to look at all of the, how Darkhold works, and all of those variations of how time and matter manipulate, and he doesn't actually open up a portal to another dimension, he just opens up the floor. So he opens up the floor and drops Snape through and he's able to tumble himself forward knocking into Snape breaking the chair and getting himself free and rapidly going okay this match is going to have to end because these this guy is just way too good and which time Wong is actually going to punch forward but look like the crazy sorcerer Supreme multi-armed thing that he did at the end of Infinity War and just multiple punches right to Snape's face trying to end this.
0: So I don't think that Wong was able to break forward and actually knock himself free because those binds that Snape made are, are definitely not just the fall apart when you break a chair kind of thing. And I feel even more so that he wasn't even able to lean forward to break the chair because I love Wong, but that's a heavy dude. <laughs> How's he going to get that inertia to move himself that far forward to fall and break the chair? I don't know. I think I think instead that before the portal drops him, because yes, I will say the portal opened up, his wand was out. And he looked at Wong and said, you've been very formidable. Avada Kedavra! And just immediately, limp, goes Wong. Man. That went dark. That went dark well, very quickly. It went dark arts, so necessary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so with that, it's either going to go one of two ways. One, Wong is not able to move his large himself portion uh, of humanity forward enough to be able to break said chair, like in every eighties, nineties sitcom that you've ever seen. Or Snape's just going to straight murder him, a la Dumbledore, and it's going to be sad, and Madison's going to come to and then find her Warner's dead, and John's just going to feel real bad about it. One of those two things are going to happen. Before we actually get to the results of the match, which that was fun, just for the audience's sake, I didn't know how it was going to go. I felt like maybe Wong was just going to be able to toy around with him, but John brought his A-game with his research on the amount of spellcraft that Snape would have which hopefully bodes well for him, but we'll see when the results come.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Before we get into that, though, of course, here we do the destruction spectrum, and Gio will go ahead and explain
2: that. Gio? Mm-hmm. The destruction spectrum, or as I like to call it, the insurance adjuster's notes, the guys take each character's destruction potential and decide on a scale of 1 to 5. Really, it's all about how much damage they do to my deli. Since you guys think it's hilarious, I guess I'll just keep switching insurance companies. There is certain to be a ton in New York, right? In the Marvel Universe,
1: 100%. Because I feel like there's an entire just edge economy now for cleaning up the superhero climactic battles. So, yes, I would. John, if you were to gauge up from one to five, one being the common barroom to five being thermonuclear winter, how do you feel like these two characters would match up with collateral damage in the area?
0: All right. So, I can't give it a solid five. But for sure, it's not no thermonuclear winter. But anyone who's seen uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, knows that those two wizards will do some damage on a city block. So I'm going to say between Wong and Snape, because Snape's a little bit more reckless and Wong's a little bit more concerned with what's in front of him rather than what's behind him, I'm going to go three and a half, four. I definitely think that's solid. If
1: nothing else, I'm just watching any of the Harry Potter movies where you see the amount of force that comes out of these wands. any It doesn't matter what spell it is. It's funny. When you were doing your simulated matchup and in my head, I'm going through the spells in my own head. I remember like Accio somehow blew apart a, a part of room. Like, okay, well, we're just asking something to move from one spot to another, but somehow everything else moves. You can't tell me that there will not be... just explosions left and right with these two going at it so solid four i i would agree all right so john before we get out of here though i have to do a wham with you i am very excited about it and i hope that you have a character that you would like the rest of our compatriots and audience to come through but first of course i gotta go with the jingle Wham! all right john who you got
0: I hadn't really thought about it, but I knew you were going to ask me, but I hadn't really thought about it. This is going to make no sense, but who would anyone put up against Martin Luther King? That's solid. That would be a solid pick. We'll throw it up and
1: see what's what. It can't be any worse than Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I can only imagine that there's going to be historical fiction written. So, all right, (laughs) we'll go ahead and roll with Martin Luther King, see who the audience thinks would go up against. And remember, that's John that came up with that idea. So if we're going into the craziness, we can just blame John. Yes. All right, my friend, let's go ahead and knock out these results. Now, I did have the results tallied and over a thousand matches. It's a hell of a lot closer than you might think. And I think that bore out in our simulation. Both of us being very savvy with these characters, I think helped. But the winner between Severus Snape and Wongers is Severus Snape. Holy shit! 58.1 58.1 to Wong's 41.9. So that's 581 to 419. Now, looking at the yeah. data points, there's a lot of very interesting kind of variations to it. Now, movement and speed, we did say that they were similar, taking into account that Snape's being able to fly and teleport himself, utilizing, I don't want to say faster than light, but definitely sub light speed, put it right next to Portal. I feel yeah. like those two things were very similar. Same with strength, range, and perception. They were very close. Where Severus Snape kind of came through, though, durability. We, I think his protection spell is a hell of a lot better than Wong's just evasiveness, generally. His damage level is slightly larger, and then I also gave strategic intelligence to Severus Snape. I feel like the ability of being a double-triple agent at some points to do that is, is solid. So goodwill to Severus Snape. I'm not mad at either of these things, honestly. John, I think we did it, man. I think this is another one for the books, for the Guinness books of of awesome combat that probably no one really would have saw coming. You got anything else you want to throw out before we
0: head out? I, I am just very shocked to knowing full well that Wong is ridiculously overpowered. But at the same time, I'm very proud of the fact that Severus is getting a uh, posthumous redemption. It is nice to see Alan Rickman winning from the grave. As he always
1: should be. We love Wong, but let's be honest, he took a nosedive after She-Hulk. I feel like he probably let himself go. A lot of people see when you get married, things just happen. And his love for Madison is just strong. So we'll, <laughs> we'll expect that things are a little weird, but overall, not mad. So next week, John, for Console Combat, who do you guys got coming out?
0: So Dean and I are running Erdnot Rex from Mass Effect versus Nemesis from Resident Evil 3. Nice.
1: Ergnot was definitely one of my favorite characters for Mass Effect as my side because, again, I am a tank. And when I played Shepard, I played Soldier Shepard 99% of the time. So I felt like it paired very well between myself and Ergnot. So I could see that being an awesome match. And I can't wait to see it. For us, of course, we are actually going to be doing another comic book character duel, but we are bringing it back home, John. It is dc versus marvel a hundred percent so i am bringing in joseph to be my co-host next week batman 89 versus captain america 1990 that's right old rubber ears himself captain america versus cannot turn his head michael keaton so stay tuned for that i can't wait to see what happens is going to be very exciting john do you have something going on in the background there's, there seems to be like something weird, something like, wait, what, what is that?
0: If you're hearing this, it's already too late. I have entered the max destruction space. I have listened to the blitherings of a subpar deli owner for far too long. And now the people are ready for me to do something about it. Prepare yourselves for the arrival of Francis is imminent. Who the fuck okay,
1: that was weird. I, I guess getting rid of the cybersecurity guy probably wasn't a, a smart move on my part. But you know what? I don't think it could go worse. But I guess we'll see. John, you bring the demons. Great, great work. Thanks. Appreciate that. All right, my friend, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Stay tuned next week. Of course, both of our networks are on the DynaMic network. The Dynamic Duel guys are bringing it every week, and we have to show face and, and how much better we are than them so later on my friend